Welcome to LifeBridge Online. It is January 2021, and I'm excited about you tuning in one more time. However it is that you're getting this message, uh, we are grateful that you are allowing us to be part of your family, to be part of your life. And we pray continually that this thing, this global pandemic will all be behind us one day and we will all be able to worship together under one roof, celebrating all the things that God has done, even though there's been a pandemic going on. You know, 2021 is here as I record this, and I'm excited about the something more that God has in store for our faith family, for our online faith family, and for you as an individual. You know, the new year is all about do-overs. It's all about starting over again. I don't know why, but we have this natural motivation to, to make changes. As the calendar flips, there's something within us that, that drives us to want to make changes. You know, last week in our final message of the year, we talked about something more. The something more that I just mentioned is the understanding that followers of Jesus live for more than what is happening on this earth. I would love to tell you that with 2021 now here, that man, things are just gonna get back to normal the way they were in 2019 and life is just gonna be great again and it's gonna be normal as we once knew it. But that's not the reality. But we have this hope as followers of Jesus Christ, we have a hope that exceeds this global pandemic that we are living in. And we can find comfort from this hope through our relationship with God. That, that's where our comfort comes from. That's where our peace comes from. It comes from this relationship with God and knowing his word. So this past Monday, as a church, we began a journey on a year-long series called Core 52. The idea behind this is that as a faith family, we will spend the next 52 weeks reading, studying, memorizing scripture centered on the same weekly topic. You know, I found a survey uh, not too long ago that says that 60% of Christians wish they knew the Bible better. Now, if you didn't get the memo on this week's personal growth assignments that are part of this Core 52, or maybe that you were still in some holiday slumber, no worries. It's okay. Tomorrow begins a new week, and we will communicate via our social media and our email platform what all of this looks like. And if you're listening to this today and you don't have a copy of the Core 52 book and you would like one, hey, will you let our church office know? Will you reach out to me, Michael, at lifebridgechristian.org and just let me know or call our church office and let us know or reach out to us on Facebook and let us know and we will make sure that you get a copy of this Core 52 book because it's going to be the roadmap that we follow this year as we study as we participate, as we live out the Word of God together. Let's pray, and then we'll get into week number one. 
Father, we love you. We thank you for all the blessings in life. We thank you that, Lord, those listening here today um, are, are, are centered around coming before you. And I pray that your word, the many verses that we read today, will speak into our lives. As we talk about this topic of creation today, may, may we understand our place in the creation story and the why behind you creating us. We love you, God. We thank you for all the blessings in life and the ability to sit and listen right now. Amen. You know, so this past week, I was on vacation. Um, and during the holiday season, I don't know about you, but when I, when I get away, I often end up, I end up watching TV more. Uh, my routine is broken. Uh, I get to read a little bit more. And I read random things. Like I don't, I don't, I don't read for uh, so much for study during the the holiday season. I just read, just whatever I come across. And I found this this business journal that discussed everyday items that have become extremely profitable. But these items were all made by mistake. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with these, but the, these are the, the post-it notes. Um, man, you have some people that are just post-it note people. They will take one of these and they will, they will write and they'll post it everywhere. And you go into their office and their office is just covered with post-it notes. Here's the deal about this. 3M, the company 3M makes the post-it notes and they were trying to make a stronger adhesive. But in doing so, they actually made one that was weaker. And what they noticed about this during this, this one formula of, uh, of, of chemicals coming together, that it did not leave a residue when it was wiped off the surface. So you could take the, this post-it note or you could take this, this, uh, this adhesive and you could put it on a surface and you could wipe it off and it, and it didn't leave any type of residue behind. Well, one of the scientists there thought about this idea of, hey, I'll, I'll put this on some pieces of paper and I'll use these pieces of paper to mark my hymn book at church. Because you know, back in the day, we used to have those hymn books. We'd sit there and we'd hold them and it was turn to this page and let's sing this stanza, this stanza, this stanza, and then it turned to this page. And so they're sitting in the choir and instead of flipping to page 386 and then back to 221, they would go ahead and mark it. And so out of that came the post-it note. Well, there's another one, George Crumb. Um, he was a chef at a restaurant and he was serving a customer fried potato slices. And the customer wasn't happy because the slices of potatoes weren't fried enough. He wanted them crispier. And so this customer kept sending back these fried potatoes. He sent them back once, then he sent them back again, he sent them back a third time. And, and, and George, I, I imagine George and I have a lot in common. He says, well, I will show this guy. I, I, I will slice these potatoes super thin and I will fry them extra, extra crispy to where no one will enjoy them. And so as George Crumb did this, he fried, he sliced these potatoes super thin, he fried them really crispy and he sent them out and to his surprise, the plate came back empty and said, I want another order of those. And out of this moment came the potato chip. How about 
Ruth Wakefield. Have you heard of this one? Ruth Wakefield was baking chocolate cookies when she ran out of the baker's chocolate. So she substituted within the cookie batter, she substituted it with some milk chocolate thinking that it would melt and dissolve into the batter. It didn't. It simply became part of the batter. And out of this mistake came the chocolate chip cookie. And there are several other everyday items that are part of our lives that have come about by accident. Silly putty, the slinky, microwave popcorn. You can go on and on and on. And, and there's just, there's several items that are just, man, they're part of our life that have made a killing. They're so profitable that they came about simply by an accident. Now, this week, Lord willing, I'm going to head back to Georgia to help my father-in-law who is transitioning from one home to another. And I'm going to go back for the purpose of helping him build a storage room off of his garage. So he's having this big custom garage built and he loves cars. And, and, and so within this, we, we are going to build a storage room off of this garage because he needs the space because he's downsizing. Right now, there is nothing there except space and opportunity. There's just this open place. And we're going to take the plans that are in his head and we're going to go to the local building supply store and we're going to get all the necessary materials. And in three days, we are from scratch, we are going to build up this storage room. We will take nothing. We will bring in the, the needed materials and we will build something that serves a purpose. Now that's a very feeble attempt to illustrate what God did when he came to, the, to this place in his existence where he desired to create something. He took nothing except the thoughts that were in his mind he took nothing and he created a very complex universe that is so vast, we cannot even begin to understand what all is out there. The creation that you and I are part of was not an accident. It wasn't some experiment that went awry. You know, Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, he tells us this about creation. Colossians 1, 15 and 16. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and the authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Paul tells us a lot in those couple of verses. There's a sermon right here. But I want you to focus in on that last line of verse 16. Everything was created through him and for him. You know, this Bible that we are wanting to learn more about this year begins with this very popular declaration. 
Genesis 1-1. If you, if you know it, if you memorized it this past week, say it with me. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This sentence, this simple sentence, is how we, you and I, are introduced to the story of our life and everything that we know to be true. The beginning is not the beginning of God. It's the beginning of us. It's the beginning of time as we know it. It's the beginning of what we understand about what life is. And all of this, life, time, our very existence, was an accident. None of this was an accident. It didn't happen because of nothing colliding with nothing and creating something. You know, Genesis 1 outlines the creation of the universe and it gives us a glimpse of what God is capable of. He can take nothing and he can turn it into our everything. George Crumb and Ruth Wakefield were opportunists who took advantage of a mistake to create something out of what was already there. But not the case with creation. And here's the beautiful thing about creation. I was just, just walking into the sanctuary just a few minutes ago before this, and it's Saturday evening. Uh, it's January 2nd as I'm recording this. And I looked outside and off to the west, the sun is setting. And let me tell you, it was absolutely stunning. This sunset was absolutely amazing. And I just, I stood there for a second and, and, and I love to see how the trees and the silhouette of the trees, they shine off into the, into the sun as the backdrop. And man, there's purples and there's orange and there's yellows. And it's just this magnificent setting off to the west tonight. As beautiful as that is, as remarkable as that sunset is, God's acme of creation is you and I. We're, we're the pinnacle. As, as marvelous as what I, uh, uh, the sunset was that, that declares the, the masterpiece of, of who God is and what he, I mean, he just painted this. It's his sun and it's his atmosphere. And, and as, as remarkable as that is, you and I are the peak of his creation. You're not an accident. You weren't something that just happened. You were in his head and you were on his heart the day that he formed dust together. The day that he took a rib out of Adam and put it and created Eve. You were on his mind and his heart then. And next week, next week, we're going to talk about our true identity. We're going to talk about Genesis 1, you know, that says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, the small animals that scurry along the ground. We're going to talk about our true identity in Christ and how we are to be like them. But today I want you to know that, that, that you're not some accident that just happened. You were created with the thought of your life reflecting God. Let us make human beings in our image to be 
like us. And so this morning, no matter how you got here, meaning it doesn't matter what your home life has been in the past. It doesn't matter what your upbringing has been. It doesn't matter if you live with both biological parents or if you live in a blended family or if you have never met your biological parents. You are not an accident that took place. In Psalm 139, and we're not going to read this, but I encourage you to, to check this out. If you feel that, man, your life isn't much and, and you feel like, man, you just are something that just happened, go read Psalm 139. And David clearly records that you are not an accident at all, that you are on the mind and the heart of God and he knew you. He knows the number of your days. You know, we can talk about all the complexities of creation. We could talk about everything there is. There's so much science to prove that God is the creator. I mean, we could talk about the mysteries of the deep sea that seem unfathomable. Or we can talk about the solar systems that, that, man, we are still discovering solar systems in space. We could talk about all of those things to point life and proof of life to God. But here's the thing. You are the pinnacle of creation. And not only are you the pinnacle of creation, you have a greater purpose for your life than you might even be able to understand today. Next week, as we talk about our identity, our true identity, we're going to get into God's desire for us. But today, I want to share with you for just another couple of minutes the why. Why did God create earth? Why did God, more specifically, create you and I? If I'm not an accident and you're not, why did he create me? Why did he allow me to come into this earth as an American? Why did he allow me to come into this earth with both parents or one parent? Why did he allow any of this? Why did God allow these things to happen? Why did he create us? After all, he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's sovereign. Why did God go to the effort, if it's even effort for an all-powerful God, to create the earth and all that it contains. Well, there's two main reasons I want to share with you quickly. And these two main reasons of why God created us, they happen to be our primary purposes in life. I mean, think about that. Why he created us happens to be our primary purposes for even living. And so there's two I want to share with you. The number one purpose is this right here. We were created to glorify him. That, that, that's right. You and I were created to glorify him. And, and, and I know how that may come across. It may come across as God is some ego-driven um, God that, that, that wow, I'm going to create a bunch of things that are going to do nothing but glorify him. But here's the thing about God that we have to understand. He is worthy of all of this. Without God, there is nothing else. 
You know, it's, it, this is his world that we are part of. This is his story. As the, we take that from the word history. It is his story that, that we are part of. And so he created you and I for the single most important purpose of glorifying him. So to glorify means that we are to praise him or to acknowledge him. We are to draw attention to him. And we could get into the ramifications of that. What happens if we don't do it? What happens when we do it? But I just want you to walk away today understanding that you are created to glorify him. If you read your Core 52 reading on creation this week, um, you read this quote from Mark Moore then. He writes, Every generation that God created, from our primal parents in Eden to our own unborn children, has a singular divine purpose, to bring God glory. Now this shouldn't come as a shock. The fingerprints of God in our own souls will drive us in the same direction. Why do we dress fashionably? To look good. Why do we decorate our homes? To impress company. Why do we present a gourmet meal with such panache? To please others and to receive praise. It's in our very DNA to understand that we were created to glorify God because we ourselves want to receive glory. We ourselves want to receive praise. We ourselves want to be the center of attention. So we get this. We understand this. But what we have to understand the most is that it's not about putting us on the throne and receiving the praise. It's about God, and it must always be about God. Check out these Bible verses, Isaiah 43, 7. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. Psalm 102, 18. Let this be recorded for a generation to come so that the people yet to be created may praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And there are so many other verses that we can talk about that, that talk about us praising God and us glorifying him. And that is our single most important purpose. And Paul is clear here that it is whatever we do. He uses two everyday examples, whether you eat or drink, something I've done a lot this past week. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I wish there was a way to place more emphasis on the whatever you do. Everything we do, church, is to be done in a manner that glorifies God. The second why we are created comes from the details of the creation story itself. I was reading through this a couple of years ago, and this, this kind of hit me then. Genesis 2.15 
Hopefully you read Genesis 1 and 2 this past week. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Now, I could spend another hour talking about this. I mean, you, you, you think about it at this moment in time of, of what's going on, that there's, there's a couple of things that have happened. Uh, God made man, and God has now spent time with Adam and Eve in relationship walking in the garden. We, we see that as a, an important detail of the creation story and something that was done. The other thing that God instructed them to do was to, to reproduce. Hey, your husband, your wife, you are to go reproduce. The other thing that God has said to do is to work. Like these are the things that he has told us to do. I, I know that there's more we get into the what not to do, don't eat of the fruit of this tree and so on and so forth. But what he has done is model relationship by walking in the garden and he's told them these two things are things that they're to do, reproduce and to work. And we can spend another hour talking about this. But here's, here's the point. God made man to work. And I, and I know this doesn't necessarily answer the question of why God created us. Did he just need a bunch of workers? But it certainly helps us to know our purpose on this planet. And one of the most important lessons which comes, uh, that comes from this verse is that immediately after man was created... Adam had a God-given purpose. God placed him into the paradise of the Garden of Eden with a job to do. God had created a world which included work needing to be done. And he created man with a mission to do that work. Here's the interesting detail about the Hebrew word for work. There is this underlying tone in the Hebrew that work and worship are synonymous. This doesn't mean that the more we work, we are automatically worshiping God. And it doesn't mean that everyone that ever works is worshiping God. However, what this is saying is that we were created for work and to work, and our work should be an act of worship to God. Which comes back to point number one, everything we are to do should bring glory to God. We, we often wonder, we often compartmentalize our life. We have our, our church life, our family life, our kids' schedule, and then we have work over here. And, and what the creator of life is saying is, I have created you and I've instilled within you this desire, this mission for you to work. Check out what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for four good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Paul says that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. And church, here's the truth. Our work and all we do is good when we are not working for the purpose of paying bills. 
When we are not working for the purpose of paying off the credit card or paying off Christmas or paying the car payment. Like those things should not be the motivation for our work. But the things that we do, whether you are a, a engineer, whether you work outside the home, whether you work in the home, you know, with this global pandemic, work is all turned upside down for all of us. Here's the thing. When we make our work about God, this is when we glorify him. And here's another truth that has to do with our work. If all we ever do is groan and moan and complain about work, is it really glorifying to him? We are his workmanship. And so let your work glorify God. If it's doing dishes for your parents as part of your chores, if it's making the bed, if it's cleaning and scrubbing toilets, if it's teaching, if it's administration, if it's engineering, whatever it may be, let your work glorify God. So those two points shed light on the why we are created. Here's the unique thing about this. The Bible is clear that all creation glorifies God. Everything that God created, the sun, the moon, the stars, the rocks, fish of the sea, the pollinating flower, all of these things bring him glory automatically because they are his creation. Here's the unique thing. Humans are the only thing created with a choice. So as we move into week two, our true identity. Think about your life this week. Does everything you do, does every aspect of your life glorify God? Until next week, we'll see you.